Well, oh, yeah, keep it going. Okay, well, right on. Wow, I, uh, I tell you, if you need a confidence boost, we should do that for everybody, right? <laughs> well, hey, uh, thank you. <laughs> Well, hey, I just want to welcome uh, all the campuses joining with us today. Uh, I know Pastor Wes is speaking out in Ogallala, and I know he's going to do an amazing job and bring an amazing word out there. But I also want to give a shout out to our North Platte campus. Ah, man, I got to hang out with those guys last weekend and had so much fun. I love what God is doing out there at our North Platte campus. Then right here in Kearney, man, it is great to see some beautiful faces in the house and some purple shirts. Come on, somebody. You guys look great uh, for our Royal Family Kids staff. So great to have you guys. And then if you're joining us online at, our, at your boat campus or your living room campus or your vehicle campus, just thank you for joining online with us today. Well, hey, before I, I go any further, I just want to take a quick pause and I want to I want to give honor to where honor is due, and I want to honor our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff and his wife, Kim. Uh, these guys are incredible lead pastors. They do a phenomenal job. I, I tell you what, I love being on a staff that has a purpose and a mission to see people find Jesus and lives change, and Pastor Jeff and Kim do that, and they do it amazing with integrity, and so I'm just so thankful to be on staff at a church where our lead pastor is so passionate and has a great vision to build God's kingdom. So can we just give it up for those guys? Yeah. And then I also want to honor our Royal Family Kids staff. I just, they, you guys are amazing. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys so much for uh, taking a week to just serve kids and to love on them and, and just be uh, their biggest cheerleader throughout the week. And so thank you so much. Uh, you guys are amazing. And uh, it takes some incredible people that are willing to just go beyond and above and, and just serve students in that way. So thank you so much. Can we give it up for our Royal Family Kids staff? Man. Well, like Pastor Jeff said, I'm Javen, and I get the opportunity to lead the youth here at New Life. And uh, uh, my wife and I got married about six years ago and then moved out to Kearney and started doing youth ministry out here. So we actually just celebrated our six-year anniversary last weekend. And um, I, I got, you got to understand, um, behind the man is an even better woman. And she does, makes me do crazy things. Uh, for instance, like uh, taking some uh, crazy photo shoots for your six-year anniversary, like this. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole photo gallery full of some of those images if you want to see more. If you like, if you like awkward things, uh, you can stalk me on Facebook and check it out because it is glorious. Um, <laughs> But hey, I got to tell you, we serve a God of miracles because out of that can come this. That's my son, Easton Samuel. Oh, man. He gets his good looks from his mom. It's a true story. Um, no, we just celebrated his first birthday yesterday. And so we had tons of cake and went all out it because, of course, as a one-year-old, he's going to remember all of it. So <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, so we got to celebrate him yesterday, 
But I'm so excited to be able to just share my heart with you guys today, and it's great to have Royal Family Kids staff in the house. And so today, I, I, I just want to ask you this question. Have you ever realized that there were some things in your life that you needed to change? Anybody? Any, anybody ever need to make some life changes in their life? Um, I remember growing up as a kid, going to Walmart, and one of my favorite things at Walmart was the blood pressure machine, right? Anybody? Oh, man, it was so much fun. Like as a little kid, I had to kick off some old ladies a few times, but I got in there and it was glorious, right? Well, we were, it was like two, three years ago, Elise and I, we were shopping in Walmart and uh, I saw the machine, brought back up some good memories, kicking the old ladies off. <laughs> Um, so I decided, hey, you know what, let's, let's do it for fun. I, I kind of know like blood pressure is a little bit high in my family, so let's do it. So I do the blood pressure machine and it uh, was not good, all right? It was not really good. Like it, there's like real bad and then right before real bad is like pretty bad. I was at pretty bad. And so, uh, so my wife's freaking out. And you would think in that moment that I would decide, there, you know, there's really some, some life changes that I need to make to my life. There's really some things I need, I need to start eating better, I need to start working out again. I gotta, I, and I know, I get it, right? You look, you look at this physique and you think to yourself, how could a guy like you have high blood pressure? Well, runs in the family. <laughs> so you think I'd wanna make a change, but after we're done shopping at Walmart, Elise asks, hey, like, uh, I don't, I don't want to make any food, so let's, let's go out and get something to eat. I'm like, let's do it. And she's like, where do you want to eat? I'm like, McDonald's. Because <laughs> McDonald's is definitely healthy, right? At least that's what I like to tell myself. You got to understand, I come from a long line of stubborn people. My dad uh, always used to tell me about my great-grandpa who uh, had some heart issues and he would feed his heart pills to the cats. So to, to kind of give you a little bit more of my stubbornness, anybody got, some, anybody got some stubborn in them? Yeah, okay, we're family, right? We understand each other. You understand like how stubborn you can really be. Uh, but isn't it interesting? We can hear something that we need to change in our life or maybe even uh, something that we've grown up and learned uh, that we realize, man, that's not actually uh, correct. And so, you know, we, we try to change it. You know, let me, let me ask you this question. Uh, how's those uh, New Year's resolutions going? Yeah, that's right. That's what I thought. See, uh, so we, we may change. And realize we need to make change, so we may change, and uh, we may make a change for a little bit, but then uh, sometimes we can find ourselves going back to our old ways or getting stuck in old habits. And so today, maybe you're here listening, and you know your life is not what you imagined uh, or what you want it to be. In fact, maybe today you're, you find yourself checking out new life to see if you can find out if there is hope in Jesus. Or today maybe you're here and you've made Jesus the Lord and leader, uh, but there's maybe still some things in your life that don't align with him. 
Or maybe you're on Royal Family Kids staff, and maybe there's some things that you need to give to God as you prepare to go out and spend a week investing into the lives of students. And so today I want to look at a passage found in Luke chapter 7, and to kind of give you a background of what's going on, Jesus is traveling throughout the region of Judea and all the, all the hubs and going around, and he's performing miracles, doing incredible things, and he's forgiving people of their sin. And so news is spreading of who this Jesus is and, and, and all the things that he's doing. And so we find ourselves in Luke 7, uh, starting in verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees, whose name was Simon, uh, asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. How many guys would uh, like it if somebody could read the thoughts that you were thinking? Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and though they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, Who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, if we take a step back and we really kind of try to look at the setting of what's going on here, you would first kind of think to yourself, Okay, there's two people here that are really excited to meet Jesus. Uh, You have Simon, who invites Jesus over for some T-bones with the boys, right? And, uh, and then he, he's, he's heard of Jesus going throughout Judea and some of the stories. And so he wants to get to know this Jesus. And so he invites him over to his house so that he can hang out with him. And then you have this immoral woman. And she's a bit, uh, she has a bit of a bad reputation in her community. And she's known as a hoochie mama. All right? But as you keep progressing through the passage, you realize that they are there for two very different reasons, all right? As you look deeper, they have some big differences between why they're there. You see, Simon is a Pharisee, 
And for the most part, we've seen Jesus already kind of going back and forth with the Pharisees. You see, Pharisees believed in strictly obeying the laws of Judaism. They were commonly viewed as people who were superior to others because of their superior holiness. So Simon actually has a little bit of a a background to why he's inviting Jesus all right he's really inviting Jesus to check out who he is he's probably trying to figure out is Jesus really a prophet how did his message compare with that of the Pharisees could he be recruited to their side was he a threat was he an ally who was Jesus claiming to be and what should we do about him should he be resisted should he be opposed put to death or ignored. These could have been some of the reasons why Simon wanted to have Jesus over to his house. And then you have the immoral woman. Somehow, this woman had heard of Jesus and his teaching, and she was eager to meet with him. Now, we can probably conclude from this woman's lifestyle and the reputation that she has that she carries around a lot of guilt and shame, and and, and she carries that weight around with her wherever she goes in her community. And so just think a little bit about this woman who is hearing about this Jesus who's performing miracles and forgiving people of sins. This woman is probably beginning to have some hope at a second chance and at new life. She lives at a value that we have here at New Life, and it's one of our core values. It's that seekers find God. She shows up to Simon's house. She then begins to worship Jesus and shows her love for him by washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. She kisses and pours perfume on his feet. This act causes Simon the Pharisee to doubt Jesus so we look at Luke 7 going back in verse 39 it says this when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this he said to himself if this man were a prophet he would know what kind of woman is touching him she is a sinner but why does he say that earlier in chapter 7 we see Jesus perform this miracle he raises a widow's son back to life Starting in Luke 7, verse 12, it says this, A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was was the widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said, when he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, how many of you guys have been to a funeral service like that before? I mean, holy cow, like the, the, the coffin is being rolled out, and Jesus goes and touches the coffin, and you see the dead body raised back up. I mean, I'm going to be a little scared, to be honest with you, all right? I'm going to be like, what in the world just happened? Verse 16. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Now, what you need to know is that Jesus would have been considered unclean by touching the casket and raising this boy back to life. You see, Simon 
has likely heard some of the things that Jesus has done and yet is questioning that because this woman touches him. See, you have to understand from Simon's point of view as a Pharisee, you don't touch unclean things or that makes you unclean. To Simon, holiness was primarily a matter of separation. You separate yourself completely from sinful things and sinful people. And so we kind of get this idea. And this was a pharisaical mindset and unfortunately can be a mindset of some Christ followers today. This is where we have to check ourselves to see if we need to schedule a pharisectomy. I got your attention now, don't I, right? Because this isn't what Jesus models for us. There's a pastor by the name of Peter Haas who wrote a book called Pharisectomy, and it talks about how to joyfully remove your inner Pharisee. Because honestly, as Christians, if we're not careful, we can uh, do things out of religious obligation rather than a heart of worship. And that's a dangerous place to be. It's a very dangerous place to be. So yes, separate yourself from sinful things, but don't separate yourself from sinful people. You never saw Jesus avoid sinners. He hung around them and it drove the Pharisees crazy. There's a, a earlier on in Luke uh, where he's writing about uh, Levi, the tax collector, who has become a disciple of Jesus. And so um, there's this account in Luke 5, starting in verse 29. It says this, Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Now, if you're reading that, it's like, man, that's pretty harsh. Like, wow. But you got to realize that tax collectors were like the worst of the worst people. Like these guys, uh, these guys were, were scammers. They were raising up taxes. These were the guys uh, calling you from the IRS, trying to get you to put money on a, bank, uh, on a, on a gift card and send it to them right? It was those guys, right? And we know how much that frustrates us. So imagine those guys. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. See, Jesus demonstrates another core value for us, is that saved people find people. As Christ followers, we should have a desire to see people find Jesus and lives change. Because there was a moment in our lives as a Christ follower where we came that, to that decision, where we recognized our need for a Savior, where we recognized our need for Jesus because we couldn't do it on our own. We need to be about finding people, giving people hope. So my question to you is this, who are you doing life with? Now we have Royal Family Kids staff here today, and I love this, and you guys are living this out because sometimes um, this looks so different in so many ways, but the fact that you guys are taking a week and actively serving children Children who need the love of Jesus. And I love that because you guys are living that out in a powerful way as you love kids. Who are you doing life with? Who are you putting yourself around? Do you have room at your table for those that are nothing like you? 
Or are you only around people that look like you and talk like you and believe the same thing you do? I was driving home one day from work, and I, I couldn't even tell you what I was thinking about. And I remember pulling up to a stop sign, and all of a sudden, I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my heart. And I felt like God began to say, Javen, do you love people because they're a good person, and they do the right thing, and they make good choices, and uh, they think the same way you do, and they believe the same way you do? Or do you love people that are broken, that are hurting, that make mistakes, that don't see, the way, see things the way that you see them, that don't believe the same way you do, that don't look like you? Do you love them too? And God just began to deal with me, began to convict me of a, a pharisaical mindset that was in my own life. And to be honest with you today, I, it's something I'm still still trying to process because, you know, and I'm not perfect at it. I'm, I'm, my goal is to be more and more like Christ. But the more and more I try to be like Christ, the more and more I realize there are things in my life that doesn't look like Jesus. There are areas in my life that I need to really focus on and, and recognize, well, that doesn't look like Jesus. Oh, well, grace has fallen short in this area. That doesn't look like Jesus. Jesus addresses Simon's heart and shares the parable of the money lender. The lender gives one person 50 pieces of silver and the other 500. Both couldn't repay the money lender, so he forgives both of the debt. Jesus then asks Simon, one, uh, he says, which one loved the money lender more? Simon replies, well, it's the one that had the larger debt, right? Let me put it in this perspective for you. Let's imagine for a second that I told you, I'm going to pay off all your debt. Anybody going to be excited about that? Well, too bad, because I'm a youth pastor and I cannot afford that. <laughs> Imagine you owe $500, but the person next to you owes $500,000. A little bit of a difference, right? Now, the people who owe $500,000, are I'm going to be their best friend forever, right? They're going to love me and think I'm the most generous, amazing person in the, in the world. But you're going to feel a little bit, uh, you're going to feel a little bit overlooked, right? You're going to be like, well, I could pay off the $500, but you're giving them $500,000? Like I should have been more in debt. <laughs> but this was the point that Jesus was trying to make. We all have debt that needs paid regardless of the amount. doesn't matter if it's a larger debt. doesn't matter if it's a smaller debt. We all have a debt that comes from sin that you and I, no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, no matter how many good works we do, we cannot erase the debt of sin, no matter how hard we try. Simon looked at himself and thought he was a good person. He did the right things. He said the right things. He went to the synagogue on Sundays. He hung around good people. Simon compared himself to the woman, which is what we do so much, right? Well, at least I'm not as bad as them, or at least I'm, I don't sin like that, or at least I'm not doing what they're doing. As if we could look at somebody else's sin, and it would somehow erase the sin that's in our life. It doesn't work that way. You see, Simon had a heart that judged instead of a heart that loved. Simon tried to earn his salvation, but it still didn't cover the debt that was owed. The immoral woman realized that there was nothing that she could do to repay that debt. She had a bad reputation. She was looked down upon. She didn't keep the best of company. She was stuck in sin and living in opposition 
to God. But she realized that there was nothing she could do to erase that debt except put her faith in Jesus. She humbled herself and worshiped Jesus as, he, as she cleaned his feet with her tears and poured expensive perfume upon his feet. And this is what I love because Jesus expresses another core value to us. Jesus shows us that you can't outgive God. You see, this woman gave everything she had. And Jesus looks at the repentant heart of this woman and forgives her of her sinful lifestyle and says, Go in peace. Just imagine that moment. Imagine that moment, the weight and shame and guilt being lifted off of the woman. What she had been carrying around for years. Think about this. She still had to go home. She still lived in the community. She still walked by the same people that identified her as an immoral woman. She still had that same reputation. But it didn't matter what others thought of her. It didn't matter the reputation that she had before. She had put her faith in Jesus and her life was changed. She had a real love and devotion for Jesus. Real love and devotion for Jesus comes out of an awareness of our sinful past condition. The realization of when we were separate from Christ. The realization of we needed Jesus in that moment. We can't forget it. We can't go on and, and think that we've grown away from that sinful nature and that we've gotten to a place where, oh, I can operate on my own strength. We have to have an awareness that Jesus died on the cross for us and that he's forgiven us and that he loves us. Simon found association with Jesus, but the immoral woman found salvation. Today, what do you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Do you see yourself living like Jesus, loving others and bringing a hope that's found in only him? Do you see yourself like the Pharisee. Maybe you've been operating in your own strength. Maybe you find yourself, you're a little bit more quick to judge than love. Or do you find yourself here today identifying with the woman? Maybe you've walked in today and you realize that you're living a life that is in opposition of God. And today, maybe you've walked in with guilt and shame. Maybe you felt so far away from Christ that he couldn't forgive you. Today, here's the good news, is that Jesus will meet you right where you're at. He met Simon right where he was at. He met the immoral woman right where he was at. And he wants to meet you right where you're at today. So today, check your pulse and ask God what changes you need to make. I want to end by sharing a little story. There was a, a little life-saving station off the coast, off the seacoast. And this life-saving station uh, would rescue uh, people that were in shipwrecks because oftentimes storms would come and they would crash into the shores and they would need rescue. And so this little life-saving station would go out and they would rescue people. And a lot of attention started to, to get on this little life-saving station. And so people started flocking and wanting to be a part of the mission of this little life-saving station. Well, the little life-saving station, uh, the, the uh, building that they met in was a little bit run down. It had just what they needed. 
and uh, the equipment had been used, and so it was worn. And so um, as people were coming in, they decided, okay, we need to maybe start updating our facilities, and we need to start getting new equipment so, and more, more boats and so we can go and save uh, more people, and we need to get all the things. And, and then you know what we should do? We should also uh, upgrade, like, the living space so that we can kind of hang out there and just kind of be around each other. And, uh, and let's get some comfortable couches in there and, and, and some beds for people to stay and some new showers. Well, eventually, the mission of the life-saving station began to really become just a club. And when people would get shipwrecked, unfortunately, they would find themselves in extreme danger because of people staying stuck. They wanted to hang out. They didn't want to go out as much anymore from the life-saving station. There were some people from the original that thought, man, we got to get back, back to the, back to the way it was. So they moved down and opened up a new life-saving station. And unfortunately, the same thing happened again. And if you visit that area today, there's all these life-saving stations that are of no use. Today, as the church, we need to understand we need to be about Christ's mission to seek and save the lost, to see people find Jesus and their lives changed. Today, as royal family, kids' staff, you need to understand that as you go this week to camp and love on students, that there is a mission and a purpose that Jesus is putting you in that camper's life for a reason. That you are bringing a hope that is only found in Jesus. So today, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Lord, today, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we can find new life in you. Lord, today I pray that you would help us to examine the areas of our life. Holy Spirit, I pray for every heart to be spoken in this room. I pray that you would meet us right where we're at today, and would you show us where we're at? Would you show us the things in our life, the, the pharisaical mindsets that we have, the areas of our life that we need to change, the areas of our life where we fall short? Today, Lord, I pray for those who have walked into this building with the weight of guilt and shame. Today, I pray for freedom in Christ. I pray for a new beginning for those that have not yet stepped into a relationship with you. Lord, help us to recognize our need for a Savior. Lord, that we can't do it on our own. And so, Lord, today I pray for surrender in hearts. I pray for a willingness to change the way we see things. A willingness to, to be used by you to bring a hope in the good news of Jesus. Today, as we get ready to go into a time of worship, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.